On October the 31st, 1517, Martin Luther posted 95 big questions which he believed faced the church of his day to a local church door in Wittenberg, Germany. 500 years later, I decided to post 95 new questions, one a week, to the web, questions which I believe the church must face in the 21st century. To attempt to understand the development of the church worldwide without any reference to the work of the Apostle Paul is a bit like trying to trace the development of pop music without mentioning Elvis or the Beatles, the Stones, Dylan, Michael Jackson and U2 all put together. No one can doubt for a moment that Paul's influence on the whole way in which we think of what it is to follow Jesus is huge. Perhaps it's because of this that it's often argued that Paul took hold of the simple, grace-filled, generous message of Jesus and misunderstanding it, twisted it into a legalistic system of misogynistic and homophobic exclusion and control. But, as I've explained over the last few weeks, I see things very differently. Paul was, I believe, actually the great includer. Why do I believe this? Because on that now famous Damascus Road, the young Paul, much better known back then by his Hebrew name Saul, an ultra-legalistic, fiercely nationalistic, religiously conservative Jew on a mission to destroy the infant church, was transformed, utterly transformed, by his encounter with Christ. You can read all about it in the book of Acts, chapter 9. Now, historians, theologians and psychologists have long argued over the exact nature of this encounter. Was it psychological or physical? Was there a literal blinding searchlight from the sky? Was anyone else aware of it? Was the voice of Jesus that Paul heard external or internal? Though Acts tells us that the people with Saul heard a sound, it doesn't confirm they were able to recognise this as a human voice. However, whatever the answers to these questions are, what is indisputable is the outcome on Paul. Because from that moment on, he became an unreserved devotee of Jesus. For the rest of his life, he would give every last ounce of his energy, dedication and ambition to this new story, the story of God's love for everyone. Love, as he later argues to his friends in the city of Corinth, never ends. That's why I believe that Paul has been misunderstood so badly. Far from subverting Jesus' message of love and inclusion, he grasped it and then spent the rest of his life grappling with what it actually meant when applied to the broad canvas of the non-Jewish world. The challenge Paul faced was that Jesus' audience was primarily Jewish, but he'd also insisted that his followers should take his message, as he put it, into all the world, teaching everyone about his revolutionary way of being human. And it was the acceptance of this very challenge that carried Paul into areas of discussion and debate that Jesus never encountered and on which he left no specific teaching. It was this that accounts for the amount of time that Paul spends talking about topics such as circumcision and food laws, which although remote and even incomprehensible to us, 
were vital frontline issues for him and for the communities he was working with. His was the gigantic task of thinking through how to apply Jesus' revolutionary values to new cross-cultural situations for the first time. But in addition to all of this, Paul faced a second massive challenge. He somehow had to achieve this new understanding of Jesus as the Messiah for everyone, for the whole world, at the same time as working with the first followers of Christ. Because his whole task was to build multi-ethnic, integrated, inclusive communities to bring Jews and Greeks together. In fact, he never ever began or worked with any local church community that did not reflect this cross-cultural inclusion. The problem he faced as he worked this out was that the first followers of Jesus were all Jewish and for many of them little was more important or sacred than the right of circumcision and the food laws which made no sense to any of the Greek followers of Christ at all. So although for us the cultural specifics are all different, the principles which Paul was thinking through and forming are still as central and as controversial as ever. Much more about why I believe we've misunderstood Paul and the difference it's made in the weeks ahead. But for now, a question. What do you make of the challenge to understand Paul in his original context, rather than trying to impose our own presuppositions, followed by all sorts of negative meanings on his words. Meanings which I believe not only would he have disowned, but were the very antipathy of the core message he learned from Jesus, the message of love and inclusion. Have we misunderstood the Apostle Paul badly? Have we made the mistake of reading his words through our own set of assumptions? Instead, should we begin with Paul's worldview to see things the way he saw them? For instance, what if the idea that we're saved by our faith in Christ is based on a giant misunderstanding, a mistranslation of Paul's words and thinking? In my new book, The Lost Message of Paul, I issue a challenge to grapple with the task of understanding the words of Paul through his culture rather than imposing our modern Western ideas on him. It's released on the 21st of June and you can pre-order it now through the link below.